You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Wow, I like it here. It's good, isn't it? It's a great church. I love it. I love it. You should be glad that you go to a great church. Other churches are available. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's brilliant to be here. I'm really glad. Um, this week is weekend is very special for us because um, I've got a son called Jordan. Jordan's 21, and uh, my daughter Kezia. Kezia's 19, and uh, a little while ago, Kezia. Um, really felt God stir her up and she wanted to go to Canada to uh, train to be an evangelist. So my little daughter, she was 18 at that point, she is going across to the other side of the world. And uh, my wife is kind of not dealing with that very well. She's crying a lot because her little baby is going to be on the other side of the world. And so it came to the time of like going to Heathrow to say goodbye to Kezia. And I kind of was like, listen, I felt like I had to be the dad of the house. I had to be the man. I had to step up. I had to speak to my wife. I said, Tamsin, at Heathrow, we have got to make sure that this is a joyous thing, that Kezia goes off. She sees us smiling. You know, we cannot cry at the airport. We've got to bless her and watch her go. And um, so we got to Heathrow. My son was there, my daughter, my wife's there. We're having coffee, kind of like, it's just about to happen. And we're just about to go to the gate. And I said, when we get to the gate, I just want to pray for you, Kezia. And then we're going to say goodbye. (sighs) Whatever you do, do not get God involved. (sighs) Because, oh my goodness, we got to the gate and we got into a little huddle. And I started praying. Within seconds of me starting to pray, Kezia is sobbing, she's crying. Oh, it's messy. I look across at my wife. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, ugly crying. Have you ever heard that? Well, there's something worse than ugly crying, and that's ugly trying not to cry. I mean, she is just, I mean, I was like, listen, love, please cry. Do us all a favor, yeah? I mean, oh. And then my wife's crying, my daughter's crying, and then before you know it, I'm praying and big drops are hitting the ground. I'm thinking, oh no, I look over at my son, nothing, yeah? (laughs) Nothing. I said to him after, I said, Jordan, your sister's going to Canada, come on. He's like, Dad, I'm getting her room. And uh, that's it, doesn't care. It's like, bye, have a great time. I'll be in your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we said goodbye, and we kind of gave big hugs, and then off she went. What I didn't know was that her flight was massively delayed, hugely delayed. So we got in the car, we drove back up to Nottingham, and I said, Tamsin, I'm going to go to the barbers, I'm going to get my hair cut. So I went to the barber Saturday afternoon, really busy. I'm sitting waiting to get my hair cut, and my phone pings. And I look, and I didn't even think about it. I just picked it up, and I started reading it. And it was from Kezia. It says, Dad, my flight's been delayed. I'm just about to go. Here are three things I've always wanted to tell you. 
Well, in that barber's, I started sobbing, yeah? I started, I read this, and I was not just like little tears, but you know that thing, have you ever done that thing when you're crying and you go, <laughs> you ever done that? <laughs> I am sobbing. I am like, oh, my daughter, this I'm crying, and then I just open one eye, and I can see every other guy in the barbers is just looking at me. They're all going, you talk to him. No, you talk to him. It's like... None of them had the emotional equipment to deal with a sobbing Scotsman, yeah? They're all just like, oh, you could tell they were feeling very awkward. But what was amazing was when the barber had finished the guy's hair and he turned and said, right, who's next? All the guys said, let him go, yeah, let him. <laughs> I mean, it's the answer, guys. If you're needing to get front of the queue, you know, just start sobbing, yeah? It's, uh, McDonald's, you'll get served very quickly, yeah? It's like, just start to cry. It's a great idea. I am, I've got a, a word burning inside of me today. And it's from a really well-known, famous part of the Bible. It's a story that you've heard many times before. But today I just want to maybe see if I can bring a little bit of new revelation. It's a story of David. If you've got your Bible, I would love you to grab it. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, you know, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. Goliath is this huge giant who is taunting, taunting the people of God. He's shouting and giving it some, and God's people are, are, are fearful. Nobody wants to fight him. Little David is this little kid who's been looking after like um, his dad's sheep, and he turns up with sandwiches for the brothers. But David's looking and he said, Listen, you know, this guy is coming against the name of the Lord. I believe that in the name of Jesus, we can bring this giant down. So, wow, the brothers did not like that. David's brother was not keen on that. He's like, what have you come to me with these words? How can you do this? And then the news gets through to Saul. And the news comes to Saul that there's this lad, David, and David stands before Saul, and David has to kind of talk to him. And Saul says, we're going to do this. And then I wanted you to see it in chapter 17 and verse, like, uh, uh, there we are, like verse 38. Um, is, this is amazing. The Bible says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, 
You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Wow, what a great, great story. But I want to bring out three maybe different truths that you've maybe never looked at before. The first thing I absolutely love about this is that David, yeah, he, he was his best self. He did not take on Saul's armor. He chose to be his best self. You see, I like this because... Um, David was there and he's putting on Saul's armor and he's trying it on and, oh man, it's just not working. It's not fitting right. And he's like, I can't do this. This is, this is not going to work. You see, God has designed you. He has created you. He has made you for incredible things. He wants you to be your best self. He has designed you to be you. He does not want you to be anybody different. He is not wanting you to kind of allow yourself to try and just copy someone else. He's not wanting you to be like a tribute band to someone else. Do you know what I'm saying? He wants you to be you. God's made you uniquely and truly you. I've had to kind of learn this, that God, God likes me. He's made and created me like this, and he likes me like this. I, uh, I went to Bible college, and I've always been a bit of a joker. I love laughing. I love my personalities. I love everybody to embrace a good laughing and humor. And I went to Bible college, and there was a lot of students there who were quite intense. I don't know if you've ever met those Christians who like to stare really intensely at you. I've already been up seven hours praying, Mark, before you had breakfast. It's like, oh, okay. Shall we all just take it down a notch or two, yeah? And uh, I, I kind of like looked around and everyone at Bible college seemed to be pretty intense. And I needed to try and start being like these intense Christians. You need to walk around and look like you desperately, desperately need a poo. Yeah. Oh. And I was also like preaching and wanting to become like an evangelist. And so I was starting to get opportunities to preach. And I was really into a great preacher, a guy called Reinhard Bonnke, who was an amazing man of God. 
And uh, I got the opportunity to speak in Grimsby and I preached and it went quite well. But the pastor said to me at the end, he said, that was really good, but why did you do it in a German accent? And uh, I was so wanting to be like Reinhard that, you know, some of the phrases and some of the way I said, you know, blood washed Grimsby. And uh, it's not quite got the same ring to it, has it? And, you know, I was kind of like copying, trying to imitate people. But you see, God started to reveal and speak to me as God says, Mark, I've made and designed you and created you. I need you to be you. I don't want you to be someone else. And I want to free somebody up in the room today that maybe, you know, you've kind of been like, you know, imitating someone else and kind of copying someone else. That's not what God wants for you. I was like praying yesterday afternoon and I got these words, imitation leads to limitation. Imitation leads to limitation. You see, because if you are imitating someone else, you'll only ever get to that limit of being almost as good as them. But if you are who God's made you to be, you can be absolutely everything God designed you to be. And there's no limitation on that for you. It's like, wow, I want to be my best self. I want to be, you know, God's created me with a great sense of humor, so I'm going to laugh. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to take and embrace everything that God's made me to be. You know, I feel that there might be somebody in the room and maybe you're not yet a Christian and you're here today and, you know, you've enjoyed the music and you can sense the presence of God here, but you're just kind of grappling with this. And I was praying about this and I felt like there are some people in the room and it's like you're a Ferrari, you know, a beautiful sports car. But it's like you're a Ferrari that's pulling a caravan behind it. Could you imagine this car is designed for speed? It's designed to do incredible things, but it's dragging this heavy caravan behind it. And that is what every single person is like. The Bible says that we've all messed up. We've all got that sin that we pull behind us. And it's today, you're like this wonderful, incredible person, but you're dragging this weight behind you. And what we believe is that the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That Jesus died on the cross and that what Jesus did at the cross was he broke the chain that we no longer have to drag anything behind us. We no longer have to pull any kind of weight behind us. That we can be everything we were designed to be. That beautiful, sweet Ferrari. You can roar into the next season of your life because you're no longer dragging sin behind you. That's what Jesus did at the cross. And maybe today, you need to come to that moment where you say, do you know what, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I leave that sin behind and I want to roar into the next part of my season of life. See, God's created you and designed you for wondrous things. And I know for me that I want to be the best version of me. I want to be the version, the best version of me. I want to just maybe the Holy Spirit just come along and just maybe just just kind of, you know how the Holy Spirit comes along and pokes a few of us? I don't want you to be the Sunday 
version of you. The Sunday best version of you. See, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to be a man of God on Sunday morning and then a horrendous human being on Monday afternoon. I don't want to be like living this life where I'm like, oh, you know, given the impression of being a spiritual person as I come on Sunday and then maybe on Wednesday when the pressure of work is on, I start to live a different life. I want to be the best version of me. I mean, I know, I know, let's be honest for a minute. But have you ever had that thing where you're coming into church and, you know, it's Sunday morning, not everyone's had breakfast, people are late, you have to go back twice to get your kids' shoes and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of arguments in the car and people are arguing and mum's shouting and telling the kids off and dad's like getting lost and it's like an absolute nightmare. And you're like pulling to the car and you pull into the car park and you get out the car and there's pastor. And you're like, hello, pastor. <laughs> we were just worshiping. We had the music on. We love the Lord. We love the Lord. One of our kids forgot his shoes, and we used it as a beautiful example of redemption for the king. And, uh, you know, we've all kind of sometimes played that game, but the truth is, is that God's looking for our best version at all times. Looking for that authentic version. It's great for me to be standing up here this morning, but tonight at midnight, I want to still be a man of God. I want to be a great man of God at four o'clock on Thursday afternoon. I want to live my best self. David didn't take on Saul's armor. He lived in his true, genuine self. And here's the second thing that David did, is that David faced the bullies. You see... David stands before Goliath, and Goliath taunts him, and Goliath postures, and Goliath kind of pushes the buttons. You're just a little kid. You come at me like a, like a dog. It's like he's giving it some. I find it interesting when we're talking about facing the bullies. Sometimes... Sometimes the worst bullies you will ever encounter in your life are your own thoughts and emotions. Sometimes our thoughts and emotions, they bully us. They push us around. They press and they taunt you. Maybe it's just me, but I know that sometimes my, my emotions, they posture. They kind of like throw their weight around. They're like, oh, you, this is how you feel. This is how you feel. And they kind of press the buttons. And sometimes I'm led by my emotions. See, friends, we want to be great leaders. But the first person that we need to lead is ourselves. We need to lead ourselves. I'm aware that in a room this size with so many people listening is that there is possibility that some people have allowed their feelings, their thoughts to lead them to quite a dark place. Maybe there's some people here that are struggling with depression and, you know, we would want to say today that, you know, with the kindness in our heart, we want to say that, you know, there's help. You can get help. 
whether it's through your doctor or whether there are people around your life that can help you in that. Or maybe you're already getting some kind of medical help. And like we'd say, come on, stick with that program. Jesus is part of this and he wants to help you. But also, you know, you can get strength and help from other places. And that is a good thing. When I'm talking to some of us today that are driven by our emotions, we're pushed by them, we're pressurized by them. Maybe like me, there's been times where emotions have, have, have kind of seemed to rule and posture. Let me tell you what happened to me. I, uh, I, I, a few years ago, Pastor Martin and Pastor Esther, they actually came on a little bit of it with me. But a few years ago, I walked with the cross over Britain. It took me 70 days. I walked 700 miles. We saw over 1,000 people make first-time response to God. It was amazing. But when I finished, my emotions, they felt like they were in charge. They started to bully. They started to boss. I got crippled with jealousy and envy and insecurity. I was dealing with all of this negative emotion, and it was really, really crushing me. And I needed God to help me. God, I was chatting with my little daughter, Kezia, and the two of us started talking and I told her this story, and she started to cry, and she found it really helpful, and I shared it with you. When I was a young lad, my dad used to move around quite a bit, and I went to lots of new schools. And when I was just at the top year of junior school, I went to um, a new school again. And I kind of like was getting picked on, I was getting bullied. I'm aware that there might be some people in the room that you're getting bullied. Like maybe at school, at college, maybe even in your life situation. And I want you to know that Jesus is there for you. He can help you. And I was a little lad and I was getting bullied at school. And this lad called Stuart, he had a bit of a gang, he had a bit of a group of geezers. And Stuart saw me and he says, we're gonna absolutely batter you at the gates tonight. At the end of school, you're gonna get a hiding. We are gonna, we're gonna knock you around. He swore a lot and he said a lot of bad words and he said, we're gonna put you in hospital. You're never gonna know what's hit you. And I was like, oh man, the whole day I'd got that going on inside me. Have you ever had that thing where your stomach's swirling and you feel sick because you're so agitated? But this is what I wanted to start to tell you is that the first thing is I didn't just ignore that. I didn't ignore it and like pretend it wasn't happening. If I'd pretended it wasn't happening, I would have got a beating at the end of the day. You see, what I want to say to you is our emotions are all kinds of things. The good, the bad, they, they, they throw the weight around. And the answer is not to ignore them and pretend that they're not happening. Sometimes, and ladies can do it as well, but men can be good at this. We pretend that the, we've got no feelings. Well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm ignoring that. I'm not, I'm not I'm pretending that's not happening. If we pretend, you see what happens, I like to think of it like the beach ball in a swimming pool. You know, you've got the beach ball and sometimes you can push the beach ball under the water and you're holding it and you can be like, hey, things are cool. There's no beach ball. But all the time, the beach ball is just slightly moving around your hand, isn't it? And before long, what's going to happen? The pressure is really kind of going to give way and the beach ball arrives, yeah? And when we ignore our emotions and we kind of put them down and we suppress them, it's just like that. Guess what? They're going to turn up sometime. And when they do turn up, 
It could be quite bad. Do you know what I'm saying? We're kind of pressed on, trying to hide them. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. It is happening. But you see, what happened to my story is this. Is that in the afternoon, a lad called Roy saw that I was a bit agitated. And he says, what's going on? And I told him the story about Stuart and the gang. And Roy said to me, listen, I'm going to come with you. You're going to join me. The two of us are going to meet them at the end of school. We're going to confront them and we're going to sort this out. And that's exactly what happened. Roy walked with me. The two of us walked, Stuart and his little gang. Roy talked to them and the gang left. You see, sometimes Jesus, we've got to understand that Jesus, he wants you to ask him and invite him to come and speak to your emotions. Jesus, come and help me to speak to my emotions, to speak to my soul, to start saying good and positive things, to actually confront my emotions. My emotions are not gonna, they're not gonna bully me anymore. I'm not gonna be pushed around by jealousy. I'm not gonna be pushed around by insecurity. I'm not gonna be pressed by these feelings of anger and rage, but I'm gonna confront them in the name of Jesus and bring glory to God. Well, this is good, isn't it? You see, we love the story of Goliath falling down and the victory and it's all wonderful. But guys, for many of us in this room, the victory we need to see today is the victory in our own lives. We need to be able to speak to our emotions. You see, once I'd done that walk, I was tired and I, I've got a godly wife and praise God for godly wives. I, she was speaking to me and she says, Mark, some of the things that you're saying, they're not right. This is not what, right. And I said these things to us. I was crying and I said to her, you don't understand. I feel this. And if I feel this, then it must be right. And she goes, Mark, that's not the Bible. Just because you feel something doesn't make it right. Our feelings can lie to us. Our feelings can lie to us. Yep, are your feelings real? They're real. But are they right? No. Sometimes our feelings lie to us. And we've got to come in the name of Jesus. And I had to get that moment where I stood up and I confronted my feelings, my emotions. And I spoke to them. And I said, you know what? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I will put my hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my Lord. David confronted his emotions. We must confront them sometimes and say, you know what? This is what you're maybe shouting. This is what you're taunting. But just like David in this story, he came in the name of the Lord and he saw the giant fall. Oh, I'd love to think there are people in this room that saw giants in their lives fall. Things that have been so looming for so long. Hallelujah. I love this picture that not only did David be his true self and not only did David face the bullies, but also the, the last thing is that David used what he had in his bag. He used what he had in his bag. He, he, he went in there, he didn't use a sword, but he used a sling that he had in his bag and brought glory to God. Oh, I want to speak to you, church that we would use what we have. You see, friends, this is a wonderful church, an amazing facility. 
this is, you're having amazing services. You probably don't know this, but around the country, people talk about what's going on in here because God is doing a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we must use this for the glory of God. We must use this to bring defeat to the enemy. I was in a church a few weeks ago. I was on the front row. And someone was speaking and I fell on my knees and I started to cry. It was a pastor. And the pastor was talking about a lady in his church. This lady was married to a man who wasn't a Christian and, 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 and they'd been married for a long, long time. And every Sunday she would ask him to come to church and he would refuse to come. And then one Sunday she came downstairs and he was sitting in the front room and he'd got a suit on. She says, what's happening? He says, I'm going to come to church. You're always asking me. I'm going to come. She goes, well, that's brilliant. She was serving in the first service. And she says, if you come at the second, that'll be great and all good. So she went to church. She was so excited. She told the pastor it was so great. And then she did her serving and then she's looking for him in the second service. And she's looking and she gets distracted and involved with something. She comes back. She's looking for him and he's not there. She has food with him at lunchtime. And she says, oh man, you told me you were coming. And I was looking for you. Why, why didn't you come? And he said, I did come. He says, I came. I can tell you where I sat. And he told her exactly in the building where he sat. And he sat there. But a couple came in. And they came over. And they said to him, excuse me, that's our seats. We've sat there for the last 25 years. Could you move? He got up and they sat down. He couldn't really find another seat. And he went, got in his car, went home. As the pastor was speaking this, I fell onto my knees, big tears hitting the ground. Oh, friends, if that's what church has become. You see, friends, we don't exist for ourselves. We want to see many, many come to faith. I'm believing for a time when you are sitting there and there are going to be so many people coming in that you're going to immediately jump up and let them have your seat. Of course you can sit here. We'd love for you to sit here out in the coffee area. You can see some visitors that are only here for the first time. And rather than push past to get your coffee, you actually stop and make them feel welcome and engage them and say, well, so glad you're here. We do not exist for us to become a nice little club, a lovely little huddle. We exist to see incredible glory to God to come to Coventry. Amazing, spectacular glory to God to come to this wonderful city. You see, we've got to use what's in our bag. As, as the keyboard player comes, I, I, I wanted to say that, um, you know, it's wonderful that tonight we've got this great evangelistic opportunity. I've been touring the show that you saw on the screen there. Did it at Edinburgh Festival. Did it in Australia. Did it in America. And I'm now doing it tonight in Coventry. We're going to laugh. We're going to have such fun. But we're also going to be able to get the gospel message right out there. We have this evangelistic opportunity. It's in our bag. This is a moment that you can seize. 
If you were not thinking of coming tonight, please come and fill the room with laughter and enjoyment. Maybe you this afternoon could text a neighbor or a friend. Maybe you could pop round to your neighbor and say, hey, this fringe show, it's funny. You'll laugh. Come, it's going to be great. See, we have this great opportunity to bring glory to God. I'm believing that tonight, although we're going to have a giggle and we're probably going to slap our thighs a few times, do you know the truth is, we're also going to see salvation come to this house tonight. People responding to God. It's an opportunity. It's in our bag. We must use what we've got. Oh, the presence of God has been so real today in this place. I wonder if we could bow our heads in God's presence. I really feel that there are some people that know exactly what I mean when I'm talking about that Ferrari. God designed you and created you for great things, but you're dragging a whole lot of stuff behind you. You're not able to go and be everything you were made to be because of what you're hauling behind you. And here we are. Jesus comes and he breaks you free that you can absolutely launch into the next season of your life. What I'm going to do is simple. I'm going to pray a really short prayer. And I'm going to ask that today, if that's you, that you would pray the prayer. Don't say it out loud, but just pray it in your heart today. I'm going to say amen. And then I'm going to ask us to keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. And I'm just going to say, if you prayed that prayer, then all around the room, I'm going to say, if you prayed that prayer, then on three, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. And we're just going to, I'm just going to pray over the mic. Why don't you pray this right now? in your heart Jesus thank you that you created me for great things I am sorry about the stuff I'm dragging behind please set me free I thank you for your forgiveness I receive all you've got for me in Jesus name Amen so our heads stay bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, then on three, I just want you to stand wherever you are. One, two, three. That's amazing. That's wonderful. That's incredible. Wonderful. Amazing. Jesus. Lord, we thank you for wonderful people all over the room responding to you. We pray that there would be a tremendous sense of freedom come to people. That there would be a wonderful sense where people, oh Lord, are loose to be everything that they were created to be. That we would not be limited, limited in any way, but that we would live in the freedom that you have given us. In Jesus' name. I wonder if we could all just stand in God's presence. I want to be wholehearted. I want to 
be victorious outwardly, but I want to be victorious inwardly. I want my emotions to know that Jesus is Lord. And as we're in the presence of God, I want to pray for us as a church that we would allow the Lordship of Christ not just to affect the things that people see, but to see our very emotions would be bowed before Christ. If that's you where we're standing, I'm going to pray a prayer. Then it's an easy thing to do. As I pray this prayer, and you're a Christian, and that is what your heart says, then just raise up your hands towards heaven. And as I pray, I'm going to pray that Jesus helps us to be wholehearted and whole people and that our emotions are under the Lordship of Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Lord, we want to live for you. Jesus, we want to be everything you've designed and made us to be. And our hearts, we're right here today, Lord. We're saying, Lord, that you would, you would help us to be so whole that we would be so absolutely beautiful and sweet in your presence that, Lord, our emotions and our affections and our desires and our drives would all come under the lordship of Jesus Christ and that we would live for you. 100% in Jesus' name.